We are reading from John 4, and we're going to be reading verses 4 through to 26. And in the Pew Bibles, that starts on page 1066. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? The Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Good evening, everybody. Um, As Eddie said, my name is Chris. And I work here at St. John's, and I just want to add to my welcome to Eddie's. 
Uh, whether you are, uh, many of us are regular here at St. John's, a uh, big welcome to us as always, uh, but especially if you are new and or visiting, popping in for whatever reasons, uh, just so glad you can be with us this evening and I really hope you enjoy your time with us and it'd be lovely to chat to you afterwards um, too. Um, a question um, about welcoming, about welcome. How would God welcome us? That's the question. Uh, how would God welcome us? With a frown? With a smile? From a distance, perhaps? How would God welcome us? Would he even welcome us at all? Um, in our aim for this talk this evening is to just to start to answer that question a little bit by going through this encounter that we've had just read, this encounter between Jesus Christ and this unnamed uh, woman. So we're just going to take a bit of time to do that. And uh, this encounter, like all the encounters in the Bible, are written here for, for our benefit. Uh, we see Jesus in action here, and we hear what he says. So it's really for our benefit. That's why we're looking at this encounter. So do um, open up your Bibles if you've closed them and if you'd like to follow along uh, with the story. We're going to um, just do part of the passage that we've just had read, the first part. And we'll look at it in two sections. Um, So from verse 4, do you read along with me? Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Here, as it were, is God's welcome, stage one. Stage one. And what I want us to see here, and I believe this is what Jesus wanted the woman to see, is that Jesus Christ came to her with ordinary human needs. Jesus Christ came to her with ordinary human needs. Jesus does very ordinary human things here. He is a man who travels, probably on foot. And when you travel on foot in a hot, hot country like in the Middle East, uh, you get tired. You know, I get tired walking in London. You know, maybe that's just because I'm unfit. But he get, you get really tired walking in a hot country like that. That's exactly what happens to Jesus. We're told he's tired from the journey in verse 6. So when he finds a, a well, well with water, he thinks, phew, I'll stop here, I'm going to rest. Now bear in mind too that uh, it's midday when the sun, of course, would be at its highest, beating down. Um, you know that kind of famous song by Noel Coward? No idea when it was written. Uh, Mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the midday sun. Or well, Jesus was not English, just to be clear about that. He's not. Uh, nor a mad dog. 
Uh, so he knew that midday is the time to rest. He's got to rest because it's so hot. And of course it's time to get a drink from the well. And water, water is such a very kind of ordinary need, isn't it? Uh, just to stay alive. Uh, my wife, uh, Karis, has been trying to get me to drink a lot more water in the hot weather. I don't drink enough, she says. So I've got my own flask now. And she says, treat it as your arm extension. Just take it wherever you go. But I keep forgetting my arm, essentially, because I just leave it everywhere. Uh, and it's not going very well. Anyway, I'm a bit useless. But she's right. I need water. Jesus needs water, too. Jesus had very ordinary human needs, just like the rest of us. And it can be easy to um, overlook that about Jesus. In all sorts of places, uh, different churches or online perhaps, we can see, for example, kind of a, a paintings of Jesus, can't we? You know, the paintings that are kind of very elaborate, um, kind of covered in gold frames in some way. Maybe Jesus has a halo. You know the kind of thing I'm talking about? Quite elaborate things. Jesus doesn't look very ordinary in those paintings sometimes. But in this encounter, we see Jesus in action. And just how human he is. Now, you probably noticed that uh, in the reading that at the well, Jesus doesn't actually get a drink himself, does he? Now, that's a bit curious. Uh, what happens is, instead, a woman, as we know, a woman came to the well. And Jesus asks her for water. Verse 7, Jesus said to the woman, will you give me a drink? Jesus needs help from this woman. And we later find out that Jesus didn't actually have anything like a bucket to draw the water with, you know. So Jesus is saying to the woman, um, Madam, can you, can you help me? Can you give me a drink? Can you help me? I need your help. It's just clearly a, a very big surprise to the woman. I think she's quite shocked, you can see here. You know, you, you want me to help you? What are you talking about? Uh, she was from uh, Samaria, uh, a Samaritan. And Jesus was not. He was a Jew. And the social norms at the time were uh, men should not speak to women in private like this. And that's not the done thing. And Jews also should not speak to Samaritans. They were you know, kind of different branches of religion, you could say. And um, Maybe a little bit like kind of Sunni Muslims and Shia Muslims today. And there was a real hatred between them over centuries of history. Real hatred. When Jesus asked for help, he ignored those social norms. He should, in a way, kind of look down on her. That's what other Jews would have done. Look down on her. But instead of looking down on her... He comes down to her. Madam, you've got um, ordinary human needs. Well, so have I. So have I. And I won't turn my back on you. In fact, I need your help. You see, he's kind of coming down, speaking right at her level there. Jesus Christ had ordinary human needs, and he even needed help. He came down to this woman to show her that. And for us, I wonder, uh, I wonder, what do we think of that? 
What do you think of that? Why is that important? There is kind of a, a healthy way in which we need to see ourselves uh, at the same level as Jesus. He came down to us. We're at the same level. Now, now what do I mean by that? Uh, well, first, in an important sense, that uh, we're not totally beneath Jesus. I think perhaps the woman thought she was totally beneath Jesus. And Jesus, how, how can I help you? Now, we possibly can think that Jesus is just totally removed from our experience. And that he would never stoop to my level, as it were. And we can especially think that if maybe um, uh, we've grown up in a very religious environment, perhaps. And lots of ceremony around religion. Lots of ritual. God can feel so other. Jesus can feel so other. And there is truth in that, of course. But if that's the only way we view Jesus Christ... That can become a barrier to us listening to him. A barrier to receiving his welcome, you could say. I wonder if that's been your tendency. That's something to ponder, perhaps. Uh, for others of us, uh, our habit might be a bit different. Uh, we need to see ourselves at the same level as Jesus because naturally we tend to look down on him. And that might actually be what's going on with the woman here. She might be saying, how can we associate? Because I, I look down on you, Jesus. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. I hate you. Maybe that's what she means. But for us, we can see ourselves above Jesus. Maybe we uh, have heard that kind of every uh, reputable historian would agree that Jesus Christ really was a human being who lived and died in the first century. But but despite that, maybe, maybe instinctively, we treat him as a bit of a legend, a mythical figure, a kind of Robin Hood kind of guy. If we look down on him in that way, um, we feel we don't need to take him seriously, perhaps. Or maybe um, we look down on him uh, morally. Uh, maybe we've heard things he says about uh, the state of our human hearts. How we all have darkness in our hearts and need God's mercy. And maybe we've heard those things and we think, how dare he say that kind of thing? How dare he judge us like that? Maybe that's how we look down on him. And again, if that's the case, that would become a barrier for us. A barrier to us kind of listening to him. A barrier to us receiving his welcome. Uh, for all of us, whether we tend to maybe look down at Jesus or, or whether we think we're kind of like totally beneath him, if we were there at the well with Jesus, he would be saying to us, I think we can say, he would be saying, I, Jesus, come to you. I have ordinary human needs just like you. We're at the, we're at the same level. I'm coming, to, I'm coming to you. Are you okay with that? That's the first step, you could say, to receiving Jesus' welcome. That's the first step. Uh, let's move on now to uh, the next part of the story. Um, the woman, as we've heard, she's, uh, she's questioned Jesus, uh, but how will Jesus respond? How, how is he going to respond? So verse 10. Again, do read along if you'd like to. Verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God... 
and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, but you, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks water from will be thirst this water. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. This is a God's welcome stage two. Jesus Christ came to her with ordinary human needs and yet he offers the extraordinary gift of living water. He offers the extraordinary gift of living water. That's a, that's a curious phrase, right? Living water? That is a bit odd. I mean, does the woman understand what Jesus means by this? It doesn't appear so. She's, uh, she's thinking all kind of practicalities. Like, where's your bucket, Jesus? She's thinking that. The well's deep, you need a bucket. And this well has been used by our people for generations. Back to our ancestors, it's done us pretty good. Can you do better than that? She's thinking practicalities. She doesn't understand this living water, whatever it is. Do we understand what Jesus means by this? Is it uh, living water as opposed to kind of dead water? You know, um, you know, the Dead Sea as well, you know, dead, obviously, because it, it's so salty, there's, it's, it's good for floating on, but nothing can live in it, no fish, nothing. Is it, is it kind of living in the sense that the Dead Sea is dead? And, and then living water that means you never need to thirst again? Never thirst? That's a strong phrase, right? And it will become a spring of water. Okay, I can imagine a spring, but but a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know those moments when uh, you meet someone for the first time, and you seem to be having a kind of coherent conversation, but then they say something a bit odd that makes you kind of stop and your kind of eyebrows go up a bit and you just think, oh, what just happened? Are they okay? Are they unwell? Is everything all right? I'm not sure. It's clear living water is not an ordinary thing. It's an extraordinary thing. Eternal life. Uh, if you're new to Christian things, uh, your eyebrows might be popping up and you're thinking, okay, I knew it. This Christian stuff is just plain weird. It is weird. Weird words. And I'm, I'm okay with ordinary things, things that I can see and things in this world, but this is properly extraordinary. This is not my normal experience. This is weird. What I'd like to say to you is, yeah, that's right. It is a bit weird. That is right. I cannot spin it any other way. What Jesus is saying is extraordinary. It's not ordinary life. It's not normal experience. 
Now, for us, kind of reading about this 2,000 years later, Jesus does tell us plenty more uh, about what this living water is. And he says a bit more even in this chapter that we heard kind of read earlier. And um, he says more in the rest of John's gospel and the other gospel accounts and elsewhere in the Bible. He tells us plenty more. There's plenty more we can read about. But here, just at this point, with the woman, Jesus doesn't explain everything. I mean, clearly living water is important. It's it's important even beyond this life. He says it's eternal. But he doesn't explain everything. Here, though, surely, Jesus, the first step here is that he wants the woman to think beyond what she normally thinks. Beyond the ordinary. Beyond the material. Beyond what she can see and touch and hear and smell. That's what the woman has been focused on. And Jesus wants her to think beyond all that. Now we live in a society where looking kind of beyond the materials, it, it's not normal in one sense. It, it is an assumed fact in much of our society that the material world, what we can you know, see, hear, touch and smell, well, that's all there is. That's it. That's all there is. If something exists if you can observe it through your senses. And if you can't, then it doesn't exist. What Jesus says here deeply challenges that assumption. Now, I I can't stand here to kind of prove to you that there's more to life than just the material. But there are very strong arguments, you know, for that, and and I strongly believe it makes sense of, you know, our human experiences our belief in kind of innate morals and things like that. I can't actually prove it to you, though. But at the very least, there is a clear welcome here for us, Jesus is saying. And it is a welcome in the form of an invitation, which is to ask Jesus to open us up to this. Open us up to this living water. Ultimately, if Jesus is not who he says he is, if he's not God come down to earth, pardon me, if he's not God come down to earth, come down to our level, then there's nothing more to it. These are just intriguing stories and inspiring maybe in some way. But there's nothing more than that. That's it. But if, however, Jesus is who he says he is, if he is God come down to our level, then if we are to get this, we need him to open us up to it. And in fact, Jesus says this to the woman. He says, if you knew more about me, you'd ask me for this. He says that in verse 10. He says, Madam, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Saying, my, my gift is extraordinary. It's living water. If there is a bone in your body that, at all that just kind of wants to know this gift from me, you've got to ask me for it. You can't know the things of God any other way 
You've got to ask me for it, Jesus says. That's how I welcome you. And I wonder if you would say that you would want to be open to that. Or maybe that would be a new thing for you to say you'd be open to that. Uh, As we kind of start to come towards a a close and pull things together a little bit, uh, the title kind of for this evening really has been kind of thirsty for life. Thirsty for life. Um, And that phrase, thirsty for life, can describe um, how we feel about life and even why we've come here tonight, perhaps. And if you'd say you're thirsty for life in some way, you probably mean it in one of two ways. You might mean you're thirsty for life in the sense that life has been or is really hard. Really hard. And you're just thirsty for more. You're, you're, you're dry. And you just need quenching. You're thirsty. Just be out of this. You're, you're, you're fed up with how life has been for you. Or you might mean you're thirsty for life in the sense that life is okay, but you're just unsatisfied. Life isn't enough. You want that lasting, deep, deep sense of satisfaction, and you haven't had it. Whatever we mean by being kind of thirsty for life, we need to know this welcome for us here in Jesus' encounter. We can be satisfied. But only if we focus our thirst on God. Not on our circumstances. Not hoping that our circumstances themselves can make us deeply satisfied. That is unrealistic. They cannot. Instead, if God is there and if he made us and loves us and is reaching out to us in Jesus Christ... Well, he can satisfy our thirst in a way that nothing else can. That nothing else can. What a welcome that is from God. And that's the case whether you're considering uh, Jesus Christ for the very first time, even tonight. Or whether you've been a follower of Jesus for many, many years. It's the same. It's the same. Jesus had ordinary needs. He came to us down to our level, so that in turn we can know the most extraordinary gift, living water, knowing God himself. What a welcome that is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this chance tonight to read this encounter. And these are ordinary and extraordinary things to consider. But please, we ask you to give us your living water. We ask you to show us yourself, to show yourself to us in Jesus Christ. And help us to consider these things. And we pray that you would draw us to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.